and welcome to How Do Artists, a show that focuses on a single topic of conversation and asks the question, how do artists live, work, play, run their business, stay inspired, or handle challenges and adversity from an artist's perspective? Our show will speak with a diverse group of artists and creatives, and you, as our listeners, will have a chance to ask your questions during the Q&A segment towards the end of the show. I am your co-host, Ryan Caldwell, musician and producer, and I am joined by co-host Carlana Pedersen, artist and illustrator. Thank you, Ryan. Our conversation for today is how do artists handle burnout? Our guest today is Christina Lundberg. Christina Lundberg is a writing instructor, coach, mentor, poet, and essayist who lives in the Chicagoland area. Her writing has appeared in several publications and journals, and she authored an academic essay on emotional intelligence that will be released later this month. Christina currently works for the Walden University Writing Center and teaches English courses at the College of DuPage. Christina is the owner of My Page Break, a writing company which supports teachers and students, uh, I'm sorry, teachers and student writers in creating their most significant work. Today, Christina will share her personal story of burnout to help others along with simple techniques on what we can all do to help prevent it. Welcome, Christina. How are you? Thank you so much. Um, I'm doing I'm doing really well. Thank you for having me. I'm so grateful to be on your Awesome, beautiful podcast. We are so happy to have you. How's your week been? How's everything? The week has been um, busy and full, but very good. Oh, that's fantastic. So let's get right into it. Um, Let's first um, acknowledge um, we are talking about burnout and is there seems to be a few different types of burnout. Some psychologists say that there might be maybe three major types of burnout, which are like overload, underchallenged, and neglect. Um, can you share your personal story with us and talk to us about um, the type of burnout that you experienced and what did you do and how did you process that and work through it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm happy to. And as as you know, you brought up burnout is a very big, large topic, and um, I'm by no means an expert in it. But I do have a story, and um, I hope that it's helpful um, and gives people some ideas and some some things that they could perhaps relate to, um, and then maybe investigate and research burnout on their own. Um, because again, I'm not an expert, but, um, what happened to me, my story all began with moving. So I'm from Minneapolis, Minnesota. And six years ago, my husband got an offer for a promotion at his position for his, at his job. And it was a really nice promotion, one that we would consider moving for. And um, so he was a a bit hesitant um, to embark on this big move. We had a three-year-old son at the time. And, um, you know, I thought to myself, I love adventure. I love to travel. I've been to lots of places, um, really have enjoyed. I studied abroad. I went to England. I've enjoyed all my travels a a great deal. Um, Spent some time in Scandinavia. And I just thought, you know, this is a good opportunity for our family um, to increase um, 
our quality of life, you know, have a good opportunity for our son. Like it's an adventure. Let's give it a go. Sure. And so I sort of um, carried us, you know, in a way. And my husband rose to the occasion and took the job and it was in Indiana. And so we spent two years in Indiana and that's when I left my teaching job in, in Minnesota. And um, I, I love teaching. I taught writing for quite a few years um, before we moved, probably, probably nine years. And um, my favorite part about teaching is seeing that growth and transcendence and, and seeing that aha moment for students when they truly get it. Right. And I was teaching in the face-to-face -face classroom. So we were in Indiana and um, I found suddenly my husband was totally engrossed in this new job and there were a lot, a lot of new responsibilities. And um, I then started looking for new employment myself and getting my son acclimated to Indiana, to Carmel, Indiana. And uh, I got a job at Walden University, which is based in Minneapolis, Minnesota. And I had sought that job out. I had actually applied three times and I didn't get it. And um, Walden really appealed to me because it was um, an online environment where you work with students asynchronously. And so I thought, what a perfect job to be a mom, to work asynchronously. Um, then I could be present for my son. I can stay in my field. Like, this is great. And I keep my connections to Minnesota. Sure. I applied three times. And um, this, this time, um, one of the people at Walden actually contacted me and said, we have an opening. Um, we really have enjoyed you interviewing with us and we'd love to offer you the position. So I was really excited. I thought, this is fantastic. You know, I've put right. in the effort three times. Um, this, this will be great. And what ended up happening is that taking an online position, full-time online, being in a new environment, and then having a young son and a husband that was um, really involved in work, I suddenly found myself incredibly isolated. And so that is how burnout started to sneak up on me. It wasn't that the amount of work that I had taken on, I'm actually one of those people that loves to hold a lot of plates and do a whole bunch of things, mm -hmm. but it was the type of work. It was the isolation of sitting at the computer um, for eight hours, having to engage in paper reviews, um, which is very analytical work that requires a high amount of focus, looking at a lot of doctoral dissertations and giving instructional feedback. Not very many meetings, not very much connection with the team. Um, that was all very limited. So it was super siloed work. Yeah. So I found myself just getting really, really drained. And I thought, like, I've got to keep this up. You know, I've got to keep up my energy. I've got my son, you know, we're in this new environment. I've got to make connections. But by the end of my workday, I was just depleted. And I thought, I've got to figure this out. And it turns out that I did some, some really good internal work to kind of see, you know, what's wrong here? Is it the job? I actually like the work. But I found out that I wasn't getting like myself, like filled up. I wasn't getting enough energy for myself right. that could carry me through hours and hours of that kind of um, asynchronous work. And so I started then on a journey to try to figure out how to 
resolve and alleviate them, that from myself. Mm-hmm. So that's the beginning. Well, that's wow. Exciting. Wow. No, I can, I can absolutely identify with that though. It's one of those things where you don't understand, like it's like my mom always told me, you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. You don't <laughs> and, know what you don't know. Exactly. Well, I remember there was a time where I started spending all of my work, all of my time working down in the studio and I slowly began to resent it because I just wasn't interacting with anyone. All I found I was putting off all of the work I had to do solitarily. Yeah. And it was like, and it was the most baffling thing until I was like, Oh, I'm just not getting enough time with people. Ah. Yes. (laughs) And I'll say, Christina, our experiences seem almost identical. Only mine was in the reverse. And had I not, had I not, um, required, uh, I was in a, a, a job, I was a, a photographer at the time, where that was really all I was doing. I wasn't um, focused as much on my own personal art. I really was in photography. So that is a one-on-one type of of job. And I was in a situation where I was forced to to acclimate into my environment. I had to figure it out. And so had that had it been reversed and we were in COVID, oh my gosh, I have, n- <laughs> I mean, that would have been, that would have been an, a nightmare <laughs> in terms of being able to just identify what's going on and then trying to figure out how to fix it. Yeah. So once you're at that point where you were in it, what then? Yeah. So I, you know, you suffer for so long, right? You're kind. So I went through this period of just like emptiness and sort of sadness. And I was really trying to figure it out and um, kind of by myself, because I'm in this new environment and my husband has this job and he was really like acclimating to that and, you know, didn't have a lot of energy at the time. And so I just found myself like the message that I kept getting was like, you're on your own. Like, this is, this is your thing. You've got to figure this out. And so I started just really kind of going really deep inside. And I thought, you know, where are the periods of the day where I'm the most happy? And like started to kind of dissect this. And, you know, you could do like these vision things are really popular and mapping and and all this stuff. And so for me, being a writer, I just write things down and I make associations on blank pieces of paper to try to understand what's going on, kind of bring the in from the inside, bring it outside to kind of see. And I found so time with my son, I was super happy. I knew I had to work. I knew I really missed that exchange. Like the whole reason right. I was in teaching was to see that transformation. Sure. And while I was working with students, I still, there was a bit of a removal where I wasn't seeing the human behind the paper. And I can see the growth happening, but that human part is so important for me, I, I found out. Absolutely. Um, And so I've started to see that when I would have a meeting with my boss, when I would have like a a team meeting once a month, I would feel good. And I'm like, okay, (laughs) like I need more meetings. Like I need more like of that um, conversational exchange. And so that was really helpful to know. And so then I joined a mom's group and went through like all the awkwardness that that entails. Right. And, um, you know, but the whole time, what I found was really receptive, kind moms, but most of them were stay at home moms. And they could relate to each other on this whole like, what that world is like. 
And for me, I had to do all these paper reviews and like <laughs> I was working full time. And so I'd have to like fit this in, go to right. the meeting and then come back and then get my headset on and finish my reviews before I picked up my son. And right. so my reality and my stress was so different than what they were bonding over, like their common ground yeah. that I found myself still feeling on the outside, but like trying to like connect to, to right. a community and right. still within the trying and within the suffering, like there was movement, there was for, forward movement there. And it was helpful because I was able to at least practice connecting with these groups that I never had connected with before in a new town, because then we moved again and we ended up moving to Illinois. When we moved to Illinois, I was like, okay. Like, this time, I, yeah. <laughs> I, need to, I need to join some groups because Walden is such an incredible place. I did not want to leave Walden. The whole time sure. I'd worked so hard for this position and oh, I yeah. wanted to be there. Mm -hmm. So I had to make this work. Um, so I'd have to design sort of a life um, with Walden, right. with being a mom. Um, now in another new environment and how was I going to, in this peripheries, build meetings and connections for myself, oh, yeah. sustain me getting through the, the siloed kind of isolated type of work. Oh yeah. I, I joined a lot of things. <laughs> lot okay, of so things. What, what was the, what, what was the strangest thing in retrospect that you joined? Um, that's a really good question. What <laughs> seemed like the best idea on the front end? <laughs> <laughs> oh man that is such a good question um the strangest thing see everything that i joined i'm pretty i'm a pretty intentional person so um it was all related to writing um or my business you know okay the one thing i joined i joined some women entrepreneur groups um and they were really cool and fun and I was, what was weird and strange is that when people found out that I was a writer and a writing teacher, they had all these writing projects kind of coming out of the woodwork <laughs> that were really obscure that they presented to me to see if I could help them work on. And that was a real surprise. And I thought, wow, you know, everything. Yeah. So many closet writers out there like they were not they had different businesses they were doing other different things but they had a little memoir going on the back burner that they've never told anybody about and would i would i take a look at it you know and things like that and so that was kind of weird and strange in that there were some some really interesting stories but it was unexpected because that was that was kind of cool but unexpected um, wow no that makes a lot of sense though i mean whenever you like I feel like it's always a good idea to, you know, try to go and network like way outside of, I guess, you know, like what your normal field is. Because, I mean, people really get pigeonholed in like networking exclusively inside of their industry and not, yeah, you know, not like jumping outside of that, especially to something like an entrepreneur's group, which is just wild cards all over the place. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, it's, it's crazy the amount of people you find to, you know, I guess it's an advantageous position to be the only person of blank, you know, industry that they know. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's a fantastic place to be. Now you had mentioned you had mentioned in your sentence that you and correct me if I'm wrong. You said when you were going through this process, you knew that you had to figure out 
this whole thing on your own. How did family play a part in this? And what can people's support system do to help when they see uh, one of their loved ones or, or even if they have this issue themselves and are suffering from burnout, what can family and support do to help with it? That's a great question. Um, so for me in my situation, I had, you know, I had a really clear vision in what this move would mean and do for our family and how it would increase our quality of life and, and all these things. And I was so determined that I did not want to, I didn't want anything to rock that vision. And so even though it wasn't like totally going as planned, there was a whole bunch of surprises that came my way. I didn't, I didn't feel comfortable sharing with um, friends and family um, that some of the hardships, because I didn't, I believe so strongly, like nobody was going to stop me. Like I was going to figure this out. I didn't want anybody to judge me. Right. I didn't want to hear any of the, you know, are you sure you should have moved? You know, maybe you should come home. Like these like giving up phrases, right. I just didn't even want to entertain them. And I just thought, I've got this. Like I am going to realize this vision. And I felt like if I had revealed um, the struggles that I would have received that. So I think that friends and family, instead of like judging, and kind of saying things like I told you so, because mm -hmm. when you move, like those of you that have moved, sometimes people don't want you to move friends and family and they feel sort of like abandoned and kind yeah. of like well, you left, you know, so now we're yeah. here and we miss you as our friend, but we feel kind of sad that you left. And I think that, you know, true friends and, and really caring family can yeah. support you, believe in your vision and honor that and know that there's going to be problems, you know, Absolutely. in transitions and to say, let me know, what are the problems? What are your pain points? I want to, and then be the first one to like lift you up and be like, Hey, that sounds real. Um, but look, all the things you're doing. And I know, I believe in you. I know you've got this, those kinds of words go such a long way. Oh yeah. So positive support. Yeah. Oh yeah. And, and just that, you know, keep going. If the, you want this, you know, you can do this. And it really is cool when people come and visit, you know, and like say, oh, yeah. yes, absolutely. That's really nice. It um, was wonderful when family came out to Minnesota because we were the opposite. We went from Chicago to Minnesota. And so when family came out, that was always the highlight for us. Well, and, especially moving into a new place because you, you start out completely isolated. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. No bones about it. And just, ev you know, everyone, everyone knows that, but it's, you know, it's hard to, you, you don't know what that's like until you actually do it. Yeah, it's yeah. true. But that doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. Well, exactly. Plenty of people have done it successfully and are incredibly happy. Yeah. That's right. and, <laughs> you, know, you know, along these lines. So, you know, my biggest learning uh, opportunity here is that I, I learned, um, to, to speak up. Like I learned in safe environments, I learned how to identify like safe environments mm -hmm. and then to tell my story and to speak up and to share some problems because what ended up happening is nobody was talking um, in the writing center at the time that I had moved and I was going through this and it, I felt like a very kind of 
you know, you did your job and everybody did a really good job, but people didn't share too much. But what ended up happening is um, I had a colleague who um, did a presentation on emotional intelligence. And this was probably two years ago. Okay. And she started talking about culture, organizational culture and siloed work and bringing in these terms and like how to foster culture, like a connected culture. Yeah. And all these lights started going off for me. And I was like, oh, like, do you feel disconnected? Do you feel siloed? You know, I just right. like asked the question to her and she was like, yeah, do you? And I'm like, yes. And suddenly I was like, oh my gosh, just like all this relief of energy just started coming. And I got super invigorated to talk to her. And we um, started these presentations and this research on emotional intelligence and um, got the green light from our manager to do presentations. And she ended up leaving. She got a promotion for another, another organization. But myself and then three other colleagues had joined, you know, we had colleagues sure. that joined the group and we were all starting to share and our, share our stories of isolation. And it was so huge for me to be able to, to share that and then have other people say me too. And, you know, cause you think, oh my gosh, you know, you don't want to rock the boat or, you know, you don't want to cause any problems. You, I always want to kind of go above and beyond and, you know, but then I discovered like, this is a problem beyond me. And um, I think that we can do something for ourselves to bring the team together and make yeah. more connections and um, change the culture and bring the culture into more of a connected belonging type of environment. So once that happened, it translated to my whole life because I started learning about emotional intelligence, about psychological safety, and how um, that was so integral to me to have safe people to talk to that don't judge, sure. that, you know, really care. And then I started being that person in other groups oh, nice. and creating that for other people. And it's just been, I've never looked back. It's been so, so helpful. That's fantastic. Now, you mentioned that you're, you were doing an essay or you did an academic essay on emotional intelligence and that you co-authored mm -hmm. an essay. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yep. So the emotional intelligence article was all on this year-long initiative that myself and my colleagues did on our presentations on emotional intelligence um, for the purpose of um, creating a healthy organization. Mm -hmm. and in remote, in a remote learning environment. And so what we discovered was to create a healthy organization in a, in a remote learning environment, um, intentionality was key um, to kind of break down the silos, to, to take risks, to be the person who reaches out and um, shares their story and um, creates meetings to, to bring people together for that intention of connectivity, you know, in, in, in human like physical settings, connectivity will often happen organically because you can, in the room, you can assess each other's energy. And if somebody like puts their head down, you might say like, Hey, are you okay? But in a remote environment, that's harder to see. So right. you kind of have to say, I'm not doing so well today. Like you kind of, you know, there's more of a vulnerability. You have to be more vocal about it. Yep. And so modeling that so people know that's okay. 
because people will often be safe and not disclose if they're not sure that it's okay to do that. And so we started um, talking about that, researching it, practicing, being vulnerable, and then also really like problem solving. When problems come up, who's responsible to solve those problems? And in emotional intelligence, it's, you know, it's the individual, like you're responsible for your needs and, and your problems. And then um, you can work with others, you know, you can tell them what's going on and you can problem solve and work together. But, you know, you really are the one to kind of unlock that sort of, you know, secret code for yourself and to really find out what your needs are and then express your needs. And then your needs will then, you know, get met and you can meet your own needs or you can ask, you know, I could say, hey, I could really use a, a conversation just about, you know, how you are. And I'd love to share how I am. You know, Carlana, would you like to take a phone walk with me for like 20 minutes, which would be similar to like a coffee break. And would be can, awesome. Yeah. And we can just talk about how we're doing. And, you know, I'd be outside, you know, connect with nature. you got the the wind going and and then Carlana could say, you know, I I could use that too, but I can't meet that need for you on Tuesday because I'm really busy. But Friday will work. Can you hold that till Friday and, and we'll do that? I'm like, absolutely, you know. Oh yeah. So there's all these different kind of things you can do, but it often takes like getting really clear with what your needs truly are and then seeking out to get your need met and you know, if Carlana can't meet that need, then maybe I'll ask Ryan, you know, Ryan, are you available on Tuesday? I could really use a walking partner, you know, right. and if that doesn't work, I can put in a podcast, you know, at the very least, <laughs> we call somebody in Minnesota, but that no. goes a long way. Yeah. <laughs> that, that it, it, that that's the thing though. It's it's huge. And I it's something that I feel like a lot of people have kind of they've discovered organically just over the you know the quarantine process too. Yeah. You know, I, I realized that I I just decided to go and Skype one of my friends, you know. And I had been just working really hard before that, you know, all that month. And then I did that and I was like, oh man, I'm feeling tremendously better. Why don't I do this? all the time. Well, it's because it's, there's not really a social precedent for going and saying, Hey, let's do a zoom call. That's not been a <laughs> super common part of our, well, also talking about burnout has not been that like everyone talks about it, but it's never the person who's experiencing it. I think That's it all, right. it kind of comes off as a form of weakness, right? There's, yeah. a, there's a stigma too. Yeah. Oh yeah. It makes you, it makes it feel like you are a I don't know, like something's wrong with you because you are experiencing burnout. But yeah. I will say because of COVID, there has been a lot of much needed attention on mental health and oh, wow. and how we process things emotionally, mentally, um, just to get through COVID. That oh, I yeah. think that if there hasn't, you know, it's, it's horrible that COVID is here to, but if there's any like shining, you know, light through this, it has been the acknowledgement that there's nothing wrong with saying I need help or there's nothing wrong with saying, you know what, this is not a really good day for me today. And it happens to everyone. And I think that once we flip that switch on how we perceive burnout, 
or mental drain or depression or anxiety or any of the other components that I think COVID has exacerbated over this past year, I think then it's it's nothing but a, a wonderful thing. Right. And we, we, we're starting to see more and more access to having assistance with this. And so yeah. it's great to talk with you about this because I feel that there's not enough people talking about it just on a regular to-do um, experience. Hey, listen, how's your day? Um, and then being honest, you know, I'm spiraling today <laughs> or whatever the case may be. <laughs> you know? That would be a fun way to start like <laughs> Start your work day. Just type, send out an email to a few of your colleagues. Oh, I'm I'm spiraling right now. I, so I, I might miss our meeting. I'm going to have, have like a little mild panic attack. It's gonna be it's gonna be over before you know it. Don't worry about if me. If you don't say something, if you don't say something, well, then you're just absent. You're a no call, no show. That's not you're, <laughs> that too. That too. But I feel like just saying it releases something. Yeah, it releases something out into the air that you can kind of at least get rid of. You have acknowledged it. Hey, I might be in burnout right now. Um, I don't want to do any of this. Yeah. <laughs> and it's okay. Mm-hmm. I think it's it's okay because you're being honest with yourself, right? And yeah. you are acknowledging what's happening and you're not you know, imagining things, it's a real thing. And if you write it down or you work through it or you figure out maybe talking to someone, like you said, calling someone or saying, hey, listen, maybe I will connect with someone that would make me feel better. Right. Or talking to someone that's close to you. Yeah. Well, and working through that. Yeah. Well, what I was going to say is that the, uh, so we like connecting with your social network, making a new social network. Those are all great ways to alleviate burnout. But what about people who don't have that option? Mm-hmm. What, do you, yeah. either of you have some good strategies for that? Yeah, I think that. And and when I moved, I didn't feel like I had that option. Um, I felt like I had to recreate that. And it wasn't until I started, I was also reading, um, a friend, a, a friend. It was somebody that I had met at a, a church that we were trying on at the time. I joined a book club, and part of their book club was um, the Brene Brown Braving the Wilderness. Mm-hmm. And I, okay. I was too scared to speak up in that group, like about like I'm really, you know, feeling isolated. I'm depleted. You know, I'm trying to, you know, right. do all the things, keep myself going. I didn't have the bravery yet to speak up. Well, exactly. You don't want to, you don't want to brave the eye rolls, you know? I know. Right. I didn't want to brave that, that judgment. And, um, but then I read Brene Brown's Braving the Wilderness and it was like, whoa, like she changed everything for me because it was, you know, be brave, be vulnerable, tell your story. Like you have, you know, you have nothing to lose. And then this whole idea of self-worth, like you're a valuable person and your point of view is needed. And, and that that really got me because of all the writing that I've been doing and the writing practice and being a writing teacher and how often I tell students, you know, people need to hear your point of view, please find a unique way in, you know, I really care about what you have to say, Mm -hmm. please speak up. Um, And that spoke to me and I thought, Oh my goodness. And I, and 
in that group, I started speaking up like, mm -hmm. hey, you know, here's braving the wilderness. I'm going to be brave here. I am just really feeling empty inside you know this move the the asynchronous job just like my husband and his job just like oh my gosh you know like didn't see this coming and the women around me didn't have that same experience but they heard me and they saw me and that helped me suddenly start to move forward and they expressed kindness you know and gave me that space and then I started to just continue to practice being brave and vulnerable because I'm like, oh, like I didn't, it didn't like the the sky didn't fall on me, you know, like I didn't right. get the high rolls. Instead, I right. got some of that uplifting support that we had talked about before yeah. in a community of strangers, you know. Right. But that book was really helpful. And then, you know, other great researchers, psychologists, there's one. Um, her name is Jane Dutton at the University of Michigan, and she specializes in high quality connection. And I found out that connection is so important for me, but it's not any kind of connection. It's that deep, meaningful, I care about you, you care about me kind of connection. That was what I really needed to fill me up. And everybody is different, you know, but that's that was my secret sauce, you know. Um, and once I started researching her and seeing that she she said that it takes 40 seconds for even a stranger to have a high quality connection and fill somebody's spirit up with that positive energy that can change your whole day. And that's why like some people go to Starbucks and order the coffee from an incredibly kind barista, you know, who will do that, you know, kind of naturally. Right. and have a fantastic day and they pay more for that than the actual drink or you know the the entire concept of you know i think bars actually were one of the biggest parts of or a very big part of that in american culture you go to a bar and talk to your bartender who knows you everybody and, knows your name right well, or yes. at least enough people to make you feel like you're connected <laughs> That's right. and you don't have to invite them to your house <laughs> or schedule a zoom call <laughs> And it's also hard to schedule Zoom calls with strangers. The internet has a large history of that being a very bad idea. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, actually, I I, abs I absolutely know what you mean, though. I've like even a friend reached out to me today, and I was like, "Oh, it was really nice." Yeah, that is yeah. Great. But it was like just a few messages on Facebook, but it was enough to go and lift my spirits for like the rest of the day. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, beautiful. There's not enough of that. We need more of that well it requires people to be less self-centered which is not easy yeah and like, <laughs> and like you know being that person like i i took it upon myself because i thought i it's not lost on me like what that kind of energy exchange can do for somebody and how much that's helped me so i'm like that that's my decision i'm going to show up in the world like that i'm going to be that person and so when COVID 19 happened i was just stunned because i'm like Everybody is in the, not everybody, but suddenly a majority of people are in the same boat I'm in, in terms of remote work. And, <laughs> right. and I'm hearing people say like, oh, I'm just so tired. And, you know, I'm, I'm having a hard time getting motivated. And I, all the light bulbs come on. I'm like, oh, I know what to do, you know, like, and so I started a collaborative group, you know, for the paper reviews. And, and now I'm doing that every week. The, the book club for my son was an intentional step to be that person to provide some community in a nice. meaningful way, you know, over common ground where people can be seen 
and share um, what matters to them most. And so, and, and that's and been so let's, cool. Let's let's learn a little bit more about that. How are you um, working with your young writers and teachers to bring about that kind of change? Yeah. So. I'm, I'm specifically, I'm practicing creating a psychologically safe environment first, because that seems to be the ground um, to lay for people to build trust, to feel safe, to tell their story, to be seen. Oh, because what, what, what's a psychologically safe environment? It's where you feel like you can be yourself safely without judgment and that you will be accepted and appreciated. And your point of view will be um, a contribution. And that doesn't happen every day, everywhere. Nah. Um, no, <laughs> it doesn't. And so I've been really intentional. I, I taught three classes at College of DuPage last semester. And I knew that this is a pandemic. I knew I would be giving extended deadlines. But I also knew that all the classes went remote. And in that remote discussion board, that would be my safe space. That would be where I would create that psychological safety. So everybody needs things to do still. And the students are there trying to get some, you know, meaningful content right. and growth and information. And I thought, you know, this is a really good opportunity for me to create this space, safe environment for them to model it and teach them how to do it for each other. And they did. And they I, I got the feedback, which was so cool. My favorite was um, at the end of the semester, a student said to me, you know, I don't know how you did it. I don't like writing. I can't believe all the things I wrote this semester and how much I enjoyed reading other people's work and how much I got out of this class. It's like, I have to hand it to you. I don't really know. <laughs> like, like, like you tricked her into liking writing. <laughs> and I, I just did it in a very intentional building people, building the students up. I encouraged them to speak up. I asked prompting questions. And then I was there when they responded. I responded back. Thank you for your contribution. I so appreciate what you said here about X, Y, and Z. Um, you've really changed the way I think about it. And wow. then more people would, you know, start talking. And I just maintained that the whole semester. And I did workshops where then I said, we are going to um, help each other grow our writing forward. And that's our job. And so if you can find an element that's really working, celebrate that. If you can find an area where you have a, an idea to change it and make it better, share that idea. Like we're, we're in a collaborative social support environment here and the students they just rose to the occasion they gave to each other they gave and received they understood that learning exchange of how they could show up as writers and support each other and learn from each other and i was just so thrilled because writing in college or in um elementary school or all the way you know through high school it's a social act because you're writing right. for the reader and so to get that reader response is so important and to feel safe about getting that is so important. And so I just felt so successful, but I had really learned throughout my own processing, my own pain, um, how to do that for myself so I could do that now in my classrooms. Wow, that's, that's incredible. I love, I love those stories. 
So with your experience as a teacher, what is the difference, uh, not only being a teacher, but you're a creative as well. What's the difference between the academic burnout versus the creative burnout? Well, I think one thing I'll say about creative burnout or even creative writing um, is that like in poetry, so well, I'm finding my way into your question. I have so much I want to say. But th this book is actually a book that I am working through right now. It's Designing Your Life. And it's by two professors at Stanford, Bill Burnett and Dave Evans. And they teach this class at Stanford, Designing Your, Designing your Work Life, How to Thrive and Change and Find Happiness at Work. And they say that people fall into three pillars in terms of happiness, like kind of achieving happiness at work. Money, like financial is, is important. A certain level for everybody is different. The other one is influence. And so like your, um, you know, people appreciating your contributions and teaching is very high in influence. And then creativity. And they claim that there is a creative, um, column and everybody has this sort of needs this sort of fuel in that creative area and then everybody can rate themselves in these pillars you know maybe money is low influence is high maybe creativity is high you know and they can change over time right so for me creativity that poetry is like that sort of inner connection with the self and journaling and reflecting and kind of finding those internal transformations and um, sometimes if you're having burnout, um, you just might need either to let go of your inner critic, the judgment, create a safe space for yourself, kind of you sure. know, inside as well. And then also sometimes finding inspiration and knowing that inspiration, you don't, it's not really helpful to wait for it to come to you and to focus on things you can't control, but to really hone in on seeking out inspiration for yourself and what you can control. And so like perhaps if I was feeling burned out from creative writing and there was nothing really filling me up, I would probably seek out inspiration and I would go um, to maybe an art show of Carlana's and kind of look and see how the visual language could maybe I could approach it in a new way, my writing a new way and get inspired. Maybe sure. I would go to a show that Ryan was playing in and I could listen to some of the cool music that he was doing and I could think about the guitar as a voice and find a new way in, but keep an open mind, think about what I can control and also think about my purpose. Like is my purpose to be a writer and do I want to show up in the world as a poet? And anytime I ask myself that question, it's yeah, like that's a big reason why I feel like I'm here and, you know, is to interpret the world in that sensory way. And so getting, you know, if my purpose isn't to write, you know, I might just say, hey, I'm burned out. Is this, I don't know, it's not my purpose anymore. That season has come and gone. You know, I think I'm gonna take up um, photography or try something else in that creative sector, but oh, yeah. underwater me, always yeah. writing, yeah. <laughs> no, that that is interesting though. And actually that, um, that was something I was thinking about, you know, before, before our talk today is, um, like, I, I like to call it terminal burnout, but it's, you know, 
it's a little that that's a little bit morbid but it's where it's where the the burnout you're experiencing just goes and ends all of your passion for that which is what everyone wants to avoid that's what that's the worst type of burnout where you are completely burned out there's no saving it throughout the plan yeah how do you stop that (laughs) (laughs) how does that come on you know like where does that come from well, and that's, and that's the thing. Well, I think it's, honestly, I think anytime I've seen that, it's mostly all the normal stuff with burnout, but it's just left neglected. It's not talked about. It's not expressed. It's not treated. And then, yeah, eventually it'll go and take all the passion you would have experienced out of something. Mm-hmm. Actually, I can, uh, what was it? That that almost happened to me with piano in college. Wow. Yeah, no, I, I dropped I, I played piano in some recording sessions, but I went in there as a freshman on piano and then switched to voice after the first semester because, you know, just how it was approached in that setting was not at all how I had passion for the instrument. Mm-hmm. Who brought yeah. you back though? Um, time, neglect, mostly. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. I Everything did, I, we're talking against? <laughs> well, well. That's the thing, though. It's it's if you keep trying to ram your way through that problem and, you know, kind of brute force it, that's when you lose all the passion. That's where you find, you know, I had there there was a, a person in my fraternity in college who he was he was an exchange student from China and he had he, he was he was working on piano, but he had no passion for it in any way, shape or form. It was a job. It was a career he was pursuing. It wasn't fun. Why would why would that be fun? Yeah. So, but it's just that sort of thing, which is what everyone wants to avoid. But yeah, no, for me, I just kind of, I put it down. I let it, you know, I just use, I was, I wrote off my laurels. I didn't really work on it anytime I was using it, but then eventually I started, I kind of found my way back to it after college. And once the pressure was off, and I think that's a big thing I've found with like my burnout cycles is just, it's amazing how much better you feel when you stop trying to go and like push your way through a wall. (laughs) <laughs> you're like, Oh, I can just, I can just not be putting so much pressure on that. It's crazy. It's almost yeah. like an on or on off switch. You can just say, you well, you don't need to do that right now. Yeah. No one's got a gun to your head. <laughs> I'm really examining my personality. <laughs> Cause that's not me at all. If you, I am, I put the horns on and I'm, I'm going to break through this, this, the, so that's been my, yeah, that's been my, my mode of operation is, is what burnout fizzle out. What? I'm just going well, because to it is, figure it is, this out and yeah. drive harder at it. I mean, well, and then, but, but, um, and it's like that, that's been a, that's been a great solution for so many people, but that's, I feel like, I also feel that that's where the, the concept of burnout as a form of weakness comes from too, because be. oh, you can't keep, you can't keep going and you can't keep yeah. doing this. Well, clearly yeah. you don't love it that much. You're absolutely <laughs> right. There is a flip side to that. And it is not every personality that could yeah. or should do that. Mm-hmm. It just so happens. I know my personality type where if I feel that that's what's happening, I'm comfortable with doing that. Um, but no, not everyone <laughs> is, and I don't. I would never expect every, anyone else to be like that unless they knew. You know, I'm a little bit older, so I I kind of know who I am in in 
a lot of this and I've been there before, been there, done that, you know, burned out before. And I know what I needed to do to get through it. Mm-hmm. And it's not, um, yeah, the, um, you know, the, the horns on the concrete is not for everyone. So, but mm-hmm. with that said, um, there is something to be said for taking a step back mm-hmm. and evaluating what's going on so that you can sort of map a plan. I always feel better if I have a plan. It doesn't matter what's going on. If I can write it down, think about what is where I am in the present and what I need to do and just like sort of create whether the plan works or not. I don't, I mean, that's, for <laughs> that's, but that's for time to tell. Yeah, having a plan but, makes you feel better. Yeah, but me waking up in the morning and saying, "Oh, okay, I know these past twelve months with COVID haven't been so great." So I know why, because I didn't do this, didn't do that, or this didn't happen, or that didn't happen, or this whole series of things did happen. So now I've got it all on paper. So. Now I can say to myself, personally, I can say to myself, okay, well, now I've identified, I've, 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 I've evaluated and I've identified that I've been spiraling. Okay. Now what am I going to do about it? So that's right. kind of how I work through it. Oh, yeah. Um, and if I sit down and write it down and then create, you know, a process for how I'm going to do it, then I do feel better. Um, I think there's like some sort of dopamine release <laughs> connected to how we relate with people having that same dopamine release with certain activities that we do too. Like, cause I feel like just as happy doing that as I do sometimes talking to friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So for me, I have to be careful that I don't use that, uh, instead of talking in, in place of friends, right? <laughs> place of friends. I can relate to what you're saying a great deal. And in fact, you know, this concept you're saying of like powering through um, is is a method, right? Like there's so many methods and it's like, what is the goal? Is the goal to do all the things every day and just get all the things done? Or like, or is the goal to like, what happened to me is there was this nagging suffering that kept coming up that wasn't going away. And so I was like powering through doing all the things on really low energy and it just wasn't going away. And so finally I, it's like, I had to kind of turn to it and be like, okay, suffering, I see you. What, what can I do, what yes. can I do differently? Clearly you can't be ignored. <laughs> you know, and so this whole idea and Caroline, I think you touched on it really well of like creative problem solving and like approaching it with curiosity and Is that what it's called. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and coming up with a new plan and, yeah. you know, being curious to be like, okay, I've got this problem. And within this problem, there are these parameters that I have to work within. And creatives are so good at working within boundaries and parameters and coming up with really beautiful, fascinating thoughts, ideas, you know, things. And, and even the process of doing that, right? Like just talking it out, like these are these boundaries, you know, how can we advance this forward really feels me too. And like, to your point, like writing it out, talking it out, it's, it's so life-giving. And so I think that approach of creative problem solving is awesome. 
and and being okay with looking to find new ways to, oh, yeah. to do things yeah. that could work for you in a better way, in a healthier way, in a way that that little suffering inside for me is like, I'm good now, you know, like, okay. Like, cause energy was going to that and it was yeah. like pulling me down. And now yeah. this little suffering is, you know, we're good. It's like growing, I'm fine. And now I can, I can see it when it comes up for myself. Cause you know, we're human. So, you know, things will happen. You can and then find the patterns. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, um, how can I create a problem solve this one this time? You know, I'm like, what right. do I need? I'm like, I need that talk with Carlana, you know, or like, I need that um, time with my son, just like oh, yeah. hanging out, playing on the floor, you know, I need some yoga, you know, because <laughs> like, yeah. it's not I always need, easy to know what you need. Yeah, or I need to create with other people, you know, yeah, but, yeah. We, but that is so interesting that you said that because you said you're suffering was being ignored and it, it still takes up your energy. Yeah. So it's like, it's like this little plant that is still pulling your energy and, and everything that you're doing. And you're sort of like kind of pushing that plant over to the side in the corner. And it's like, I, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to still take this energy because I'm growing. So I, I, that connected with me. I completely get that. It, it, at some point you have to look at what it is and acknowledge it and say, okay, all right. I know this is a piece I have to work on. I know yeah. this is a piece about myself that I have to figure out how to resolve because it could be what's causing my burnout. Oh, so yeah. if I'm going to address why I feel the way I do when I come and I write music or I, or I'm, or staring at, I have a canvas over there that I've been staring at <laughs> Speaking of, speaking of burnout in writer's block. Right there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> my hey, wall. Don't, don't worry. I feel like everyone experiences it on different levels. I have some things that I haven't recorded or worked on because they just, oh, somehow they've always just been at the bottom of the to-do list. Not yeah. sure why that happened. <laughs> maybe they don't fit your purpose, you know, or maybe um, you haven't found how they connect to what you really want to do. Well, and, and regardless of why you're experiencing burnout, I think, you know, just as a message to our viewers and our listeners that talking with people about it in a psychologically safe space yes. can help a lot, no matter what burnout you're experiencing. Absolutely. I think that's exactly well, and, right. and with, with great, with great long, with, with great remorse, I have to say that we are nearing the end of our, our scheduled time block. So might we wrap it up? Oh, wait, I'm doing the closing. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, Christina, is there anything you want to plug? Is there anything, any anywhere people can find you? Yeah, and I just want to say quickly that if the social environment, the social friends and, you know, trying new things with strangers doesn't work, there are fantastic psychologists and professionals out there that yeah. can really help people. That's right. well. So I do um, promote them as well and doctors. But um, yeah, you can reach me at uh, mypagebreak.com. I have, I'm doing, I'm doing a tutoring, coaching, writing service right now for it's 30 minutes for $30. I'm working with fourth graders to 12th graders on anything they want to do in regards to writing. 
and again, helping them build a healthy relationship to their writing so they can be seen and their point of view um, can be out in the world and people can say, hey, that really matters. You know, I care about what you have to say. And say that website again. It's uh, mypagebreak.com. And my email is Christina, C-H-R-I-S-T-I-N-A at mypagebreak.com. Thank you so much for joining us today. It has been a pleasure talking with you. I just loved our conversation and I hope it has helped um, anyone who's listening to our show. And thank you. Thank you for your guidance and your advice and for your entertaining Ryan and I. So thank <laughs> you for joining the How to Artist live stream podcast. And on behalf of myself and my co-host, Ryan Caldwell, we would like to say so long until next time, same time, same place. Bring your questions and your curiosity, and we will see you then. Thank Bye. you both. Love you guys. Thank, Thank you. you. How Do Artists is a live stream podcast hosted and produced by Ryan Caldwell and Carlana Pedersen. Our theme song, How to Live, by Bird Garden featuring Rodgers and Cooper, was written by Ryan Cooper, Anna Rogers, and Ryan Caldwell. The How Do Artists logo, illustrations, and art design were created by Carlana Pedersen. Tune into our live streams and stay up to date by following us on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch. For more information about Ryan Caldwell, visit ryancaldwellmusic.com. And for more information about Carlana Pedersen, visit carlana.com. Tune in next time. Thanks for listening.